on Sagittarian matters. Advice on connection, roommates, PDA, business, romance, December 2020, and more. With my very special guest, Beth Pickens. Stay tuned. Capricorn Matters. Beth Pickens is the author of the book, Your Art Will Save Your Life. Her forthcoming survival book for artists will be out with Chronicle Books in spring of 2021. Beth is an arts consultant, a Capricorn, and an esteemed friend to the show. She has a podcast for artists called Mind Your Practice, and you can join her homework club right now at mindyourpractice.com. Now, please enjoy my talk with very special friend to the show, the esteemed Capricorn, Beth Pickens. Beth Pickens, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters, or should I say Capricorn Matters? It's almost Capricorn season, and I can feel it coming. Like I say, every year, I, it's it's like a, a power surge that starts to grow inside of me. But right now, it's my time. It's the Sagittarius time, but with the Capricorn rising, Capricorn's coming right around the bend. This time last year, we were giving, and the year before, we were giving holiday advice to listeners who may or may not have a fraught relationship with their families who wanted them to come visit for the holidays. Boy, we took care of that, didn't we? We sure did. You're welcome, everyone. Nobody nobody has to or can visit their families. Has anything been coming up for you? Have you had any frequently asked questions from your clients about families and holidays this particular year? Well, I think the November, December holidays are always, in the best of years, a difficult tense, fraught time for people, of course. And this year they're made more fraught, more difficult, more complicated. And what I'm mostly hearing from people in the ether is that they're just experiencing the challenge of we can't gather and that's sad and or, hey, all of you over there, please stop gathering. You're going to be a super spreader event. And right now I'm, you know, I'm in Los Angeles where we're having a crazy spike in cases and we're now under a new safer at home set of orders. And my clients in New York are noticing, you know, they're having a big spike there too. And people en masse are sort of like over it and just maybe not willing to do the community safety standards that we need. And our leaders certainly aren't modeling that behavior. So it's, you know, judging and being judged, feeling afraid for people who are gathering, feeling alone, for people who are in cold climates that might be living alone. The idea of quarantining by themselves all winter is just actually too much psychologically for them to bear. But like I said, on the, the, the upshot is people who don't want to see their families of, of origin have a, the easiest out in the world right now. They don't even have to fake a migraine. Nope. You don't have to pretend you got some job. You don't have to say I don't have the money for airfare. You, we, we have the world's biggest out. I have a couple. I have, I have a fan mail. Que- I have a fan mail letter that says, Dear Sagittarian Matters, I started doing two different volunteer things since the pandemic, and it has enriched my life so much. 
Sagittarian Matters recommending that was a huge encouragement to do that. When my work stopped, I was so lost, and now I have a bunch of new friends and potential friends. I intended to write this in a fan letter, and maybe I still will at some point, but in the spirit of a fuzztober day in 2020, not being perfect, this is a DM'd fan letter. Um, Signs. That's wonderful. Volunteering in Vermont. Thank you, volunteering in that Vermont. That makes me feel so happy. One of the best ways to meet people and like find your people and find some new people is through volunteering for things that you care about because you will meet people who have this, who have similar values, you know, and who are really willing to put their time where their values are. So, you know, you're going to have something really good in common. I have a hot tip for people that are looking for something semi-pleasurable to do as a volunteer job from home, which is, um, you know, aside from any kind of fundraising or efforts you're putting towards the people working hard in Georgia right now, I realized so many of my senior citizen friends are isolated right now, and I was feeling blue because I couldn't really visit them. Um, but through Meals on Wheels, they have something called Friendly Chat Program, which makes me think that a lot of different organizations with seniors have this. And you basically get trained, and it's all anonymous and whatever. But you, you call – I mean, it's anonymous in the way we're like – you don't have to have each other's phone numbers forever. You're not going to go to their house. You're not their new grandchild. But you just call somebody up on the phone who's signed up for friendly chat, who's isolated, and you just you just chat for a little while. Just a friendly chat. And I talked to an old man on Thanksgiving. I yelled to an old man on Thanksgiving who was telling me how much he hates Fox News, how much he thinks Donald Trump is such a bozo, and he just thought it was real <laughs> nice talking to me. That's really sweet. That's so sweet. That's, so that's my, my worst name. nightmare because I don't even talk to my friends on the phone. But for people who have who are willing and, and maybe even like to chat on the phone, that's such a great service. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really, once I got into it, I was like, oh, I'm familiar with this because I'm familiar with going and chatting with seniors in person. Right. It's just yelling a little louder than you think you need to, not talking down to them. Those are the, you know, those are the gists. Um, Dear Sagittarius Matters, I'd like to hear some strategies that Beth might suggest about how artists can connect in pandemic times, i.e. you can't get a quick coffee. It's even challenging to see friends. Maybe some musings on feelings of connection or the activity of connection Uh, from Wondering in Wisconsin. Oh, man. This is a really good question. And first, I want to say my magic phrase of you're not alone in that experience. Connecting during the pandemic has been one of the most extraordinarily difficult things for people, even if they have people available to them. For example, here in Los Angeles, there is we've always been able to meet outside. There's plenty of outdoor space. A lot of people can easily access it. And we don't have weather as a barrier. But what we still have as a barrier that you have no matter where you are is sort of a diminished will to reach out, a diminished will to make plans, um, feeling less and less inclined to uh, be with people even though you know it's the right medicine and it's what you need. It's just like diminished will, diminished capacity. So first of all, the uniform experience for, for people is that they feel disconnected and have a diminished will to do something about it. Totally normal, of course. It, we have heightened anxiety, heightened depression, and trauma happening. That said, one of the things we all need is other people. And for artists, creative community is one of the 
three essential things on which you stand. It is one of the things you need in your life. So if you notice that you're particularly isolated or you're just finding you really want and need some creative connection to other artists, I want you to become willing to sort of seek the willingness to do things that you don't want to do or aren't your preferred way of connecting. For example, you may be like completely 100% over spending time with people over video chat or Zoom. And yet... Having simple studio visit exchanges with artists anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, where you just go back and forth trading an hour on your practice and an hour on their practice will make you feel so good. And it's an act of service to do an artist, to do a studio visit with another artist. And what's a studio visit? It's just the both of you on whatever video platform sharing about this is what I have going on right now. This is what I made or I am making or I'm struggling to make. And answering questions about it. And the best thing about a studio visit is for that period of time, an hour or so, you're being talked to and understood as and treated as a professional artist, which is something you might not be getting in your working life enough. So studio visits with other artists. And how do you get those? Just reach out to any artist in your life. Doesn't matter how well you know them and say, hey, why don't we exchange studio visits? Let's just pick an hour for me and then an hour for you and we'll trade them back and forth. And we'll just talk about what's going on in there. It will help pull you into yourself as an artist. That's one strategy that is really effective. Another is if there are artists in your region, even if it is cold and snowy, I want you to try to see somebody in person, even if it's just for a brief like jaunt out in the world. Whatever way you can see somebody in person safely, if it's possible, please do it. And that's not true for everybody. Not everybody is going to be able to do that. But if you are able to do that, it will be really powerful and impactful too. Finally, having like a little accountability pod can be super helpful too. And what's an accountability pod? It's just a group of a couple of artist friends or artist, you know, acquaintances who want to, in a non-punitive, non-judgmental way, support and, and encourage each other on their meeting their goals. Things like, I want to spend a little time on a project this week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you all when I'm done with it over text. Um, having a deadline and having somebody waiting for you to complete a task is kind of, I think, in 2020, the only way to do anything. That's what I've noticed in myself and 100% of the people I know is that we actually need some accountability and a deadline. Um, so those are some immediate strategies that come to mind that could be really helpful. What about, what would you add to that? I was just telling one of my students how valuable it's been for me to have accountability buddies. Like my friend Alec and I just saying, okay, for one month, we're going to try this out. Here's my goal for the month. Here's what I need to do each week to make that happen. And for him, it worked for him to email me at the end of every day to tell me how far he had gotten. And then we had a weekly chat. For me, I just wanted to have the weekly chat. So I've got his emails and I was like, great, I see it. We had the weekly chat. That was really helpful for a time. Um, gosh, other ways of connecting to people right now. I don't know. I do know that your homework club does have the possibility to connect people with each other for accountability pods. Is that true? That is true. So my homework club, thank you for bringing that up insert jingle here. My homework club is a way to find accountability and deadlines. And what people get every month is homework, an actual handout on the first of the month with their homework for the month, um, and a monthly webinar with me on different topics, and um, extra credit creative assignments, and access to a private secret Instagram 
and accountability pods for people who want them. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but we put people into accountability pods that are about three or four people who probably don't already know each other, different areas of the world, different disciplines. Um, and we put them in little pods where they can decide for themselves how they want to arrange it. But the guideline is like you can support and encourage each other in, in meeting your small manageable goals every week. You know, like when you have to do something and you don't want to, you might text the pod and be like, I don't want to do this, but I'm about to work on it for an hour. And then I'm going to tell you when I'm done. And then you tell them when you're done and everyone's like, yay, way to go. It really helps us do things when we don't have the will to do it on our own. We can sort of borrow the will of somebody else. Well, one thing I know Linda Berry does with her writing friend, Dan Sean, is they every week have a a date, a two-hour meetup, where they just each do writing exercises together at the same time, just at the same time, um, timed writing exercises. You can find them on YouTube of her doing them. And then they share what they wrote together. And then they check in about the progress of longer things. But actually, by doing these things every week, they're kind of each building bodies of work that go towards the same projects. So having work dates where you just you and someone else even just sit there and draw or paint together yeah could be something the the at the at the base of all of these ideas is really just being willing to sort of break the ice and tell somebody you want to do something with them and not waiting hoping somebody will do that with you sometimes i think artists will think everybody else is having friends and doing things with other artists but me it's not true most people are really isolated and most people don't have the willingness to sort of take a contrary action and break that isolation by making a plan with someone. So if you're willing to do that, if you can summon that will, you're doing something really helpful for yourself and you're being of service to another person. Can I tell you something weird that I find is really helpful? We've talked about it on the podcast before, but the importance of side projects. And especially if you have one long giant project, having a, like the more giant deadlines and projects I have, the more side projects I have, because I need an outlet that's not just like, your life's work is this, you need to finish this. So um, like this podcast started as a side project when I was working on one really long graphic novel, and it brings me joy. Sometimes the work that you're doing can't always bring you joy. It can't be, it can't always be the love the thing you do and you'll never work a day. Sometimes it feels like we're working a day in your life and you're at a part of your project that's either stalled out or it's a bummer or whatever. But I want you to still be able to have fun and access joy within your craft. And sometimes a side project is that because there's no strings attached. It doesn't, you're still going to have your other life's work piece, even if nothing happens. It's really true. It's really true. It it could be a side project. It can also be just sort of an ongoing practice in something that you're not already an expert at, something that you're just playing at so that you can't put a bunch of perfectionism on it. So it might be like a different discipline or just a form that you don't usually work in, something that doesn't have strings attached, like you said, and doesn't have a ton of pressure to to take the pressure, to sort of act as a counterbalance to the really big project you're working on or the really hard project you're working on. It's like being polyamorous with your main project. Yeah, yeah, being non-monogamy. Non, I'm not a non-monogamous person in my projects Maybe either, no. but <laughs> I think that could be really helpful for people. Yeah, my clients tell me that it really helps them when they have a counterbalance practice, whether it's a side project that's just fun or it's a creative practice that's in a different discipline that they can't get all spun out and perfectionist with. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Jasmine Watson, Emily Helmus, Shoshana Ruth Wachter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, Michelle Lemoyne, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, whatever, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. Or, this just in, he's got a Venmo. It's Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E double hockey sticks books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's speaking voice. Are you ready for a romantic breakup question? Oh, hit me. Dear Sagittarius Matters, I had a rough breakup a while back, which really wrecked me. I thought I was doing better, but then one of my roommates started dating a new guy recently, and they are PDA heavy in the common spaces. I started avoiding them because I'm uncomfortable around PDA, but I also found it a painful reminder of my pathetic singledom. I started to feel resentful that I couldn't use the common spaces when he was around, so I tried to set some boundaries around the PDA. But now I feel like some sort of horrible Grinch person who hates love. How much of a right do I have to ask a roommate to tone down the PDA in our shared spaces when the real reason I'm asking is because it makes me feel unbearably sad? And if I don't really have that right, what can I do to cope with these awful feelings around hating anyone in a happy and romantic relationship, especially during a pandemic when we're all trapped in this tiny apartment? Signed, stuck in Sacramento. I have no listeners in Sacramento. It's just always the one that comes from. <laughs> this person is stuck in Sacramento. They're held hostage in, I don't know. What the, in Honolulu. Her, in Hon- hostage in Honolulu. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, well, in Harajuku. <laughs> this sucks. That's, I would, that's I mean, a bummer. I, would, I think I, you should try to get the boyfriend put to sleep. <laughs> Call the home euthanizer. <laughs> well, okay. As a Capricorn, and as you with Capricorn Rising, like, I think all P- there should be no PDAs ever anywhere. <laughs> my, sig- my dates are allowed to shake my hand br- briskly only in public. No, I, at first, that's just sad. I mean, having a breakup anytime is hard. Having it in 2020 just makes it much, much harder. I'm so sorry about your very painful breakup. And it, it's, it, it's difficult to access this belief now. You don't have to believe this, but know that Nicole and I believe it for you. You are going to love again. You're going to have a lot of great relationships that are all going to teach you different things. And you are going to feel excited and have crushes and have limerence and have sex and have love many times in your life. This isn't the last time. And that's not to diminish your pain, but sometimes in the midst of the pain of a breakup, we can believe, oh no, the truth is that's it. And now I'm alone. And there's nothing pathetic about single to being single. Being single is when you get ready to love again, because it's, <laughs> I just had that song pop into my head, learn to love again. Um, be, when you're single between relationships or taking big breaks from dating and relationships, this is when you do the hard work of integrating all the lessons you learned from this previous relationship, right? This is when you get to actually put into practice all the lessons you've learned and maybe do therapy or other kind of other kind of recovery work that helps you like become the person you're becoming and, and know who you are now. So there's nothing pathetic about it, even though it may feel that way. Um, the other annoying thing here is like in a pandemic, nobody wants PDA because that's also like, I just see germs. I'm like, God, that's COVID everywhere. Stop kissing. You're putting COVID on my milk. My soy milk has been contaminated. And, but I, I think 
I don't know your relationship to your roommate. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's just a roommate. But it is somebody who's intimately in your life because you live together. So you might just be honest with them and say, like, look, I'm not telling you to do or not do anything. I just need to say out loud because it may be affecting my behavior and my mood. But after coming off my breakup, seeing you happy in love, it's just like it just hurts sometimes. And some, and it may come out in different ways. And I just want you to know I'm not trying to like harsh your great new relationship. I just want to say it out loud because I need to name my pain. But you don't have to do anything about it. Sometimes just saying out loud the thing we're go- that we're going through, like naming the truth, helps make it less hard or scary. And then it creates an opportunity for that person to have love and compassion and be like, oh, I am really sorry. That's really sad. And it may or may not affect their behavior, but you getting to just sort of name the pain may help make it more manageable. Yeah, it doesn't make you a Grinch who hates love in any way. It's just, I mean, I don't think even when you were dating the person you broke up with, that if you had walked into this roommate situation and the roommate had a guy holding them from behind, gently swaying while you were trying to have a lease conversation, I don't think that you would have signed up for that necessarily. You would have been I mean, like, wait, I pay, I pay how I much like when, to watch you I don't hump? like when people kiss in movies. Like, I don't ever want to see any love or affection. What does that say about me? That's a different podcast. But, like, it's fine if you don't like PDA, even if you're not fresh off a breakup. Yeah, no, I just don't. I'm sure for the amount of money you're paying for this room, you were not expecting to have a bonus roommate who was dry humping the person you actually consented to living with. I just have a real anti-roommate stance. I know that's not helpful during a pandemic time when people are losing their jobs and that's what you can afford. But I have had so many roommates over my life. And when they started dating somebody who became our non-consensual third or fifth roommate, who then people would do things like comment on my pajamas. I remember somebody's girlfriend sitting at our kitchen table without her boyfriend around. Person didn't even live here was like, (laughs) nice pajamas. And I was like, what are you doing here? This is my house. You don't even live. I don't pay don't to live here. with you. No. You don't get to talk about my damn pajamas. My room is five feet from here. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You're not a Grinch. We're with you. You are going to love again. This I know for sure. And. And if it's a situation where the dude's over too much, it is within your roommate, like, bill of rights to be like, hey, could you guys maybe, like, go to his place sometimes? I'm feeling a little crowded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to mention, like, yeah, what germ? What germs is he tracking into the house? <laughs> look, we, look, this podcast is against this guy. I don't even know who he is, and we are fully <laughs> against him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about him except for that he's in love, and he can't hold it in. <laughs> <laughs> and he must be stopped. <laughs> Tell him he needs to calm down. Like, calm down. Like, the roommate has a room somewhere, I presume or they can make yeah, a go fort, take care a of that somewhere. under the kitchen table <laughs> go take care of that <laughs> boy I, we would be awesome to live with you and me when's the last time you had a roommate that wasn't oh, your spouse that wasn't my spouse 2004 oh my gosh that's the last time i no the last time i had a bunch of roommates was probably 2007 and then I've had single, like, one roommate at a time since then, here and there. I'm just a bad roommate. I want everyone to go to their room. Like, when I hear people walking around, walking to the kitchen, the bathroom, and it's a roommate, not a spouse, or I'm just like, go to your room. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a person who can tolerate roommates. And the times in my life where I had to do that, it's not, it's not really good for me. Um, 
I, I don't know how to live really not by myself nor with people, but I would say I also would rather have nothing than share, you know, and that goes for a living space or desserts. Like I'd rather just have none of the dessert than share it with a person. Except for sometimes you and I share desserts. Yeah, I'm still working on that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this is another podcast because I have a lot. That's hap- We have a lot of experience with this. <laughs> Dear Sagittarius Matters, how do I pump myself up for an important exam slash celebration, my PhD defense, that's going to be so different from the ones I've witnessed due to COVID? How do I get the best energy to perform in front of Zoom instead of an analog room full of well-meaning people? How do I honor my accomplishment without having my friends and family and colleagues with me? Thank you, Nicole and Beth, from graduating in Germany. Oh, okay. I, everything I say is I just start, I just want to start by saying I'm sorry, but it, yeah, having celebrations in this, in this context is difficult. So first, that sucks. So what I was first start by saying is I want you to reduce your expectations for yourself that what you could do in person is going to be different than what you can do over Zoom. How you feel in person, the kind of energy that you're putting out and receiving from people in a room together is going to be different than how it is online. Different. It doesn't mean it has to be bad. It's just going to be different. So first, just changing your expectations of what's possible. So how to pump yourself up to do this kind of performance, because defending your dissertation for your committee, that, that's a performance, right? That takes some energy. And you might need synthetic energy. I don't mean cocaine, but like you might need more caffeine than you would normally have or sugar or whatever synthetic thing sort of helps you get going. You might need to like really move your body a bunch before you get started. But the simple tools you have to sort of like give you the energy you need in the moment, that's part one of the answer. And then part two of how do you feel then the happy effects of having done this massive monumental thing is I would say like let the people know in your life who it's really important for you to have them celebrate with you. Make a plan with them, right? Like how they can celebrate with you. If It's not going to be at a big party together. So what can happen? Would you like people to send you presents? Do you want people to send you videos? Do you want to do phone calls with people? But think about what would be meaningful for you. Because what's meaningful for you will not be meaningful for the next person. So tell the people who are most important. Say, this is how I'd like to celebrate with you. This is what would be really meaningful to me. Okay? So... Yeah, in summary, number one, don't have the expectation of what you would do in person. Adjust the expectations. Synthetic energy, and then tell the people how to celebrate with you. What do you think, Nicole? I agree with all that. What are some of your synthetic celebrators? Well, I have to do, for my job, I'm obviously on Zoom a lot with my clients one-to-one, teaching at CalArts, doing workshops, guest teaching in places. Um... And my experience of doing all this work over Zoom is that it's a very different experience than doing it live. So teaching or addressing a group, when I'm doing that live in person with bodies in space, I get fueled by them. It's an energy exchange. And whether that's teaching or workshops or a talk, my experience of doing it over Zoom is it's a one-way energy dump. I am dumping energy into the face of my laptop. And I cannot receive energy back no matter how excited people are there are there to be on the screen with me. Uh, um, so I have to like actually have a lot more caffeine than I normally would before I teach or before I do a workshop. I have to sort of 
like turn over to the universe my expectations of how it should feel and what it will be like. It's not going to feel the same. I'm not going to get the same kind of instant feedback. People won't laugh at my jokes in real time. I won't feel sated the way I am when I'm in person with a group of artists or students. So I have to adjust my expectations, drink a bunch of matcha and like go for it and then let go of the results. Knowing that we're all showing up in this imperfect way together. This is not what we would have chosen to do all the time, but it's what's available. I agree with you. For me, it's specifically, it's like cold brew. If I have to do something, like if I have to write or do something generative or something that I am not excited to do and or drinking chocolate we've recently been making at home which is just like dumping a ton of cocoa powder in some oat milk with some maple syrup and then making kaya whisket for a long time um and like having a combo of caffeine and sugar really gives me like the thing i the artificial like hello like sparkle i need i like to do like 10 or 20 um jumping jacks that's the physical thing I can do sometimes. Sometimes I'll take a walk around the block first, um, or I'll do 10 or 20 jumping jacks before I hop on a Zoom that I really need to be present for, and that gets me into my body in a way. Yeah, totally. I will, before I turn the camera on to do something, I kind of just like wildly shake it all out in my body before I sit down at my desk to be like, just like get whatever I was just in or whatever was happening or not happening, just like kind of have it move through me so I can show up mm. for this next thing. Hi listeners, it's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo, in particular our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. Hey, Nicole and Beth. I'm trying to figure out what to do next in my career. I like my current job, but I always knew it would be temporary because it's very fast-paced. And this year, working from home has been way too much, and I'm definitely getting burned out. I recently got an unexpected offer to apply for a different job, and it's a move I had considered, but I figured I'd look into it a year or two from now. Now I'm faced with disappointing folks at my old job or passing up this opportunity that may not come again. My field is very small, especially the queer corner of it, and I don't want to burn any bridges because I'll probably be networking with all of these people for a long time. Help. Thanks. I think... Any decision made out of guilt, you know the answer already. Mm. Yes, you absolutely must apply for this job. And that is not burning a bridge. If we sort of zoom out and just look at the world of employment, jobs don't owe you anything but a paycheck. Even if you work with incredible people that you love a lot, employment only owes you a paycheck and it is not there to take care of you right? Like our myth about what jobs are and us giving up our lives for them is it's, it's a devastating lie. A job just owes you a paycheck, even if you love it, even if you love the people you're working with and for. Um, so you must apply for this job that you've been asked to apply for. You don't have to tell them because there's nothing to tell them. 
you only have to tell your current employer, your current job, if you off if you were offered and decide to accept that job, which is completely normal. You're doing a normal thing. And here's the thing. The job you're in right now that you knew you were going to have to leave, when you leave it, someone else is going to be so excited to get that job. We have to move around professionally. We've got to move in and out of jobs because when we leave the thing that it's time for us to leave, we're making space for somebody who needs that job. Like that's the place for them to go into now. So please apply for this job. If it's offered to you and you negotiate and accept, then you notify your current employer. And the way you keep your side of it clean is you give them as much notice as possible. Two weeks is the minimum. If you can give them longer, great, do that. And just assure them, like, I'm happy to make this transition as easy on you as possible because I really loved working here. That's not burning a bridge. Leaving a job is not burning a bridge. If they respond to you as if you've done something wrong, that indicates something about that work culture because it's normal to leave jobs. And sometimes you have to because a million different reasons. So please, please, please apply for this job and tell us what happens. I think that's perfect advice. And I've worked on hiring committees at different small sector jobs and we never resented or were, you know, the person leaving, the person leaving the position, we were always like, oh, we're so lucky we had them. We're sad they're moving on, but it makes sense because they're so great. And so now we are excited to find somebody as good as them, but maybe even with different, you know, a different angle or different capabilities. We never resented somebody for um, leaving the job. Yeah. And there are jobs that there are work cultures where people resent when someone leaves. And what that reflects is those people are afraid to leave. Yeah. That's, that's not normal or healthy. I like talking about what's normal and healthy. (laughs) Me too. Dear Sagittarius Matters, my partner, my partner and I want to get married because we're hoping to have a kid next year. Yay. We are soliciting queer pandemic elopement advice. Beth, we have both queer eloped. We are super torn between going fully low budget versus doing some small, special, but ultimately pricey basics. For instance, photographers are pricey. Are they worth it? Is going with a friend who is not a photographer at all a bad call? Yes. We don't care about traditions around weddings, but we do like dressing up cute. And cake, signed, wedding in Wisconsin. Um, dear, There's wedding- a lot of callers from Wisconsin today. I'm just well, <laughs> They're all wondering. They're all wedding. Oh, sorry. Eloping in... Evanston. East, in Evanston. Eloping <laughs> in East Connecticut. Um, you have to pay for a photographer. You can find a photographer. We're going to way- have such different answers to this okay. question. I can't wait. So here's... This the- is Sagittarian versus Capricorn that's about to happen. Okay. Here's my, here's, this is our Siskel and Ebert moment. This is my thumbs up. My thumbs up is whatever the ceremony is, it's up to you. I paid for a photographer to come out and do portraits, not because you can't have people there and because people can't be close and there can't be that much celebrating. I don't think you need to shell out for a proper wedding photographer to run around stalking everybody, doing pictures and getting too close to them. I think you could hire someone to do portraits, which costs less than that and just involves you and your partner and their family or whoever just standing still. They can do that. That's worth it. You have the pictures forever. Buy a nice cake. That's it. I don't know about the clothing. I don't know how many people you want to have there. For me, I just want to make sure you don't kill anybody. Um, I don't think you should have just a friend who doesn't know what they're doing take the pictures because the pictures are the only thing you're going to have. When you don't have the community oral history of your wedding, the pictures are going to become more important, in my opinion. Beth Pickens, what's your advice? (laughs) 
All right, here's where Capricorn Grinch cold heart comes in. I got married when it became legal back in 2014 so I could get my now wife's health insurance because we had to get married in order for me to get it. And we paid the $250 or whatever to get the Justice of the Peace courthouse wedding. I wore a dress that I wanted to buy anyway. And then we went out for lunch with the, our friend who was there as the witness. And that was more than enough. But he, you will never meet a person less romantic than me, probably. So I don't... I. I I am so anti-wedding, and I understand that other people really love weddings and celebrations. It's just like my Capricornian spreadsheet brain cannot compute that whatsoever. So I say skip the wedding, do the courthouse wedding over Zooms, spend no money, and save all that money for like the giant trip you're going to want to go on when you can travel again. Get a cake and just eat it yourselves. Don't get a photographer. Don't do any of that shit. Skip it all. <laughs> It was a really special time for me to have to to be able to have the whole hand fasting kind of witchery around uh, the elopement. So that's my Sagittarian angle on it. This Capricorn says thumbs down. <laughs> By the way, it only cost sixty dollars in Multnomah County, and we got a real fanciful marriage certificate in Yolden. Yield and font. Well, LA is like two hundred and fifty bucks. Get a savings. Go to Oregon. Um, that was good. I was glad. I'm glad I asked you that question, Beth. I wasn't <laughs> quite sure if you were the right person to ask that question to. And I was like, well, she did elope. I don't know. <laughs> I really do. You know, last time um, I do feel like sometimes if I ask the same question to you and Michelle T, you have such wildly different answers, and this could be based on your astrology and more. But oh yeah, totally. An Aquarius and a Capricorn are never going to have the same answer to anything. <laughs> well, this is the thing I want to make sure I just say everybody, since I said that I had a, a pandemic elopement wedding, was like, it was in the summertime, it was all outdoors, and I was still wearing an N95 and a face shield when I Lies. was close to the efficient. I saw the photos. You had That's... 200 people there inside. <laughs> you better shut it. <laughs> We had N95s and our officiant had a face shield and everybody else was like 10 feet away with their own face masks on. So I just want to say that. And it was like four people. And then my sister on an iPad. It was the super spreader wedding of the year. (laughs) (laughs) This is a, this is a hot tip. So um, Sagittarian Matters listeners and vegans of the world the LA Times holiday cookie guide is out and one of the recipes in there I want to try is a vegan um, chocolate chip cookie recipe with tahini and halva. So I will be making Mm. those and I encourage you to to do it as well and then maybe we could compare and contrast. Oh that sounds fun. Do you have to go buy halva to chop up and put in these cookies? Yeah you put it on top like candy and it melts on top of the cookie. Oh, that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Who is that from? Um, LA Time. That's the LA Times cookie guide. They had a bunch of different chefs give cookie recipes, and that's one of them. I can't remember who the chef um, is. I'm going to have to look up this chef. Beth, what's your blanket advice for artists, My blanket listeners, advice. gay wads, yes. whoever, yes. here in December? December 2020, you just got to crawl to the end of it. That's all. It doesn't have to be celebratory. It doesn't have to be fun. Great if it is those things. But we just have to get to the end of it. We just have to get to the other side. So um, relax your expectations of yourself. Let yourself and other people off the hook. 
maybe turn down your um, goals for productivity and focus of what you think you have to accomplish this month and reduce it to something way more manageable and just give yourself a fucking break. And join my homework club, $12 a month. Price goes up in January, so join now. So can somebody buy homework club as a gift for a friend? You can. You can. Go to mindyourpractice.com. You can buy it yourself. Buy it for a friend, for an artist who's driving you crazy, who you don't want to listen to them complain anymore. Send them to me. I'll listen to them. And um, you just go to mindyourpractice.com to sign up. It's just $12 a month. If you wait till January, it goes up to $15 a month. So act now. Are you having a, um, a live Zoom session with your homework attendees this month? Yes, the next the December webinar is next Wednesday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. But we record every webinar because lots of people can't make the day and time. So they all get a link to the recording afterwards. And there's a webinar oh. every month with me. Excellent. Beth, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's my favorite place to be. I can't wait to have you back for Valentine's Day now that I know what a romantic you are. For a little <laughs> Valentine's Day romantic <laughs> advice special. No, who you should talk to is the person I'm married to who's very romantic and probably wishes that I wanted a wedding. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.